0: Hey, everyone. Josh Neighbors here. Neighborhood Watch is our third episode here on the Crystal Ball College Football feed, part of the 365 Sports Network. Once again, Neighborhood Watch, I am your host, Josh Neighbors. On today's show, a look back at the UConn story and UConn joining the Big 12. We'll evaluate the merits of the Huskies joining the league and also another look at a conversation we had yesterday about quarterback play in the Big 12 centered around Baylor's Blake shape. I want to revisit that because I did not get to give it the time that I wanted to yesterday. A few things, please subscribe to the channel. You all have been killing it with the subscriptions. We are so close to 10,000. We are pushing 10,000. We're less than 200 away yesterday. We we're like 400 away. Now we're like 200 away. Please keep pushing that forward. You can do that by subscribing to the channel here on YouTube. You can also do it by liking the video because those kinds of things help other big 12 fans, other college football fans, See this once again, five days a week of big 12 content is what we do here at the Neighborhood Watch. And once again, comprehensive coverage all over the 365 Sports Network. You guys can find us, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all of those places we are now available. If you look up Neighborhood Watch, you might even type my name in Neighborhood Watch, Josh Neighbors, you'll be able to find it. Please subscribe there. If you all cannot watch us on YouTube, it's a great way to listen. Um, and once again, I really appreciate you all who have left these awesome messages about great to see you back, Josh. I mean, I had, I knew we had a nice audience and we had created this nice little family. I had no idea the reach and you all have really made this. I mean, you all have made me get so fired up to get back in the saddle, do this five days a week. Again, I get so pumped to do each show each day because I'm excited to interact with you all. And also thank you to the folks who've been sending show ideas. Keep doing that. If there's certain topics you all want to tackle, please let me know about that. So a few things, if you guys can keep helping us out, keep pushing this Crystal Ball College Football channel to 10,000 subscribers. If you all can subscribe wherever you guys get your podcasts, that would be great too. You all can follow me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. That would be awesome. And also NWPod365 is where you all can find the show on Twitter. So I also uh, hope you all don't mind if we double back and revisit some topics that I not, did not cover, but have kind of been a little bit in the past. So we're going to hit the ACC here in a few days. Uh, but I want to hit the Yukon story because I did not get to tackle this when I had not started the show yet. Uh, I wanted to, but we had not, were not able to, to tackle that one. So I want to tackle this because it was something that was <coughs> excuse me really talked about a week ago, and the idea of the Yukon Huskies – joining the big 12 conference. Are they on the radar? So this last week came from the athletic Nicole Auerbach and Max Olson who do incredible work. I had the distinct pleasure of working with Nicole Auerbach over at Sirius XM and Max Olson. We noticed as I mean, if you are a big 12 fan, you don't know Max Olson's work. Where's your head at? They're so good at covering. uh, He's so good at covering the big 12 conference. So this story came last week and he says that it's it's certainly no secret at this point the Big 12 is interested in swiping Colorado and Arizona from the Pac-12 but with that the league's media rights negotiations dragging on into the summer and the leaders of those schools continually standing by their the offer or whatever uh, your mark continues to explore his options for expanding the Big 12 into a 14 or 16 member conference going forward nothing seems imminent in terms of extending invitations to new members But the first-year commissioner is doing his homework, and UConn is one of several schools on his radar, Big 12 sources told The Athletic. Westward expansion has been an open ambition ever since Yormark was hired in July, giving the Big 12 a more national presence and a TV inventory in all four time zones. Brett Yormark also made it well known that he is willing to double down on the Big 12's advantage as the strongest basketball conference in the country if he sees targets that add value Yukon's men's basketball title run uh, this spring certainly sparked more interest for your mark and the school is believed uh, <coughs> excuse me viewed as a potential fit for several strategic reasons championship caliber men's and women's basketball programs are certainly high on that list of pros but so is the opportunity to establish more of a presence in the New York City market how would Yukon football fit the huskies are coming off one of their best seasons in quite some time Jim Mora pulled off a dramatic turnaround in his debut season, winning six games and get the program to a bowl game for the first time since 2015. The Huskies haven't finished with a winning record since they were Big East co-champs in 2010 and played Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl. They've had six head coaches since then and have lost nine or more games in seven of their last nine seasons. But if they were given the resources and the platform the Big 12 offers, could they become a more legitimate program by the end of the decade. Uh, so basically, that is, that is kind of the talk here. Is uh, And sources within UConn's current League of the East, uh, past home, both expressed skepticism about the Huskies' interest in leaving the Big 12. <coughs> One of UConn's biggest frustrations as a member of the AC was a disjointed and spread out nature of the conference, as well as the loss of traditional basketball rivals in the Northeast. And also UConn's AD, David Benedict, told CT Insider on Wednesday that any future realignment decision, decisions would be a complicated question for the school. The dialogue and the commentary out there, I totally appreciate and understand people's opinions, Benedict said, when, uh, where they're emotionally tied is probably evident when you see what people say and what their opinions are. But obviously, we look at it with a different lens internally, and there are a lot of factors you have to consider. So let's go with what we're, what we're hearing right there about UConn. And there is a lot to consider here. I think the first consideration is this. The Big 12 wants to become a national conference. Yes. Uh, also, the, uh, let's go with the timeline first, too, really fast. I don't think any, any move happens until the Pac-12 stuff gets resolved. I feel like that's pretty clear at this point. I feel like the Pac-12 decisions are going to be imminent. And I've said this all along. I talked about it with John Kurtz a few weeks ago. You know, this. the reason why we obsess and talk so much about the Pac-12, Big 12 stuff is that this next move, and Ross Dellinger said it in his piece, is going to shape the landscape of the college sports future. Because if the Pac-12 hangs on, there's still a power five. Now, we're not sure for how long, but there is still a power five if the Pac-12 hangs on. If they do not, and the Big 12 poaches some, the Big 10 poaches some, well- it might feel like there's a matter of time before, you know, the ACC dissipates and breaks apart. You have to see on that front where things go there, but it'd be a further consolidation of power and it will be a further extension of the haves and the have-nots and the big 12 are on have-nots, but they're not making the money that the pack, you know, the the, uh, the other big conferences are. So it's like, you know, they kind of become this middle tier. Where does that put them? Where do they go? But it further accentuates the changes in the college football landscape that we are seeing college sports landscape that we are seeing. So, I think that's why we pay so much attention to it. And that's why I think that that's the next big domino to fall. I think everybody's waiting to see what that move is to determine their next moves. I mean, guys, let's be honest, the, the San Diego State athletic director said that we've got options, both Big 12 and Pac 12. I think the preference is the Pac 12, of course, because it makes sense geographically. But the Big 12 is open to them too. They want to go west. And so that's why San Diego State's waiting, right? Your mark is, you know, the, the schools in the Pac 12 are waiting. Right, you were marking the Big 12 are waiting to see what their next move is going to be. They sure I'm surely they're scouting other candidates as well. So I think that's what we have to. Another one of the considerations, all i always mention considerations here, when it comes to the UConn situation, they're doing the homework right now because you're not going to pull the trigger immediately right now, I think. Is that that's that's kind of where we are. So that's why it makes sense. That there is some weight, and that's why we kind of evaluate all of the different aspects of this. Which gets us now to the geographical part of this. The Big 12, because they have been poached of their two biggest brands, has plenty of good brands. But the aim of the conference, as was said in this piece, as was pretty much declared by Brett Yormark and has been declared by pretty much every media outlet with their salt. um, It's clear. They want to be a national conference. The ability to be a national league and have that say, you know, coast to coast is valuable, but also it's those television windows. The Big 12 is in a spot where... If they, if they go coast to coast, they can offer games at start at noon Eastern time, at 3.30, at 6.30, at 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, whatever you want to do. They can offer games, football and basketball, in pretty much all of those windows. That is valuable to any kind of television company, especially the, the linear TV companies that are trying to fill out an entire TV schedule. I know ESPN's direct-to-consumer uh, you know, is going to happen here, but I will say this. You know, when I talked with Andrew Marshand a couple weeks ago when I was doing Locked On Big 12, um, he had stated like, I think even though he said he basically that even though it appears that the that direct-to-consumer is going to happen at the ESPN, it does not necessarily mean that they're going to be off cable because there's still a portion of the uh, population that does not have like direct-to-consumer, like they just have smart TVs and whatnot. So it might just still be worth it for them to have that cable component in their back pocket available, whatever term you want to use. We want to have that there. So I'm interested to see what the full plan is on that. But Andrew Martian at least expressed to us that it's not going to be exclusively direct to consumers. So with that in mind, the reason I'm bringing this up is ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, ABC on college football Saturdays, still have the need to fill out an entire roster an entire schedule from dawn till dusk of college football programming. And then, you know, so, so uh, obviously with that, the desire to be a national conference is there more along with the geographical point of this is New York city and New York city being a potential, uh, a spot that big 12 definitely wants to get into. They're going to do some more, you know, preseason basketball stuff there. And also, you know, they've already done a media blitz there, big 12 media blitz. That was in New York city. Uh, UConn, does provide that this is not like, you know, and I know Rutgers is around there, but like UConn tri-state area is a real thing, right? New Jersey, New York, and uh, Connecticut are considered the tri-state area. UConn's got a great pull up there at, in that area. It also would give justification for the big 12 to host things in New York city, right? There'd be a hub. And I'll tell you this, we've got great fan bases in this league. I know it'd be kind of weird to have the big 12 tournament at, at Madison square garden, but Cat fans already filled it up once. K-State, shout out to you. We know KU fans could fill it up. Oklahoma State, Iowa State, I know they would travel. UCF could probably bring the collective there too. UConn's going to be there as well. So the Texas Tech fans, we know they like to travel well too. I've got no worries about like nobody will go. No, New York City, man, for the Big 12 tournament. And also it is the best basketball conference in the country. It would be great to see the Big 12 take their place you know, I mean, that's basketball Mecca there. Uh, basketball royalty, you know, take their place at Madison Square Garden, the best college basketball conference in America going right now, taking their place at the world's most famous arena. A lot of folks have had that aim. The UConn in some ways gives them the ability to do that. You also have to consider this though, that is basketball enough? Is the geography part of, you know, geography great. It's a lot of fun, but uconn's basketball program is fantastic brett yormark is a basketball guy you can tell he loves hoops he's a hoop head worked in basketball values basketball sees the future of basketball is a very big big time internet sport the ncaa tournament is going to continue to grow it's still going to be a big money maker it is not as big of a money maker as college football is but i think where brett yormark knows that hmm maybe the future of and i, I hadn't thought of this till very recently but maybe the future of college football is murky and maybe just maybe we're all screwed and we're going to have a super, we're going to have the champions league you know, all the best teams Europe's play. We're going to have the super league for college football. And maybe it's like 12 teams and it's Ohio state and Michigan and Penn state and Clemson and FSU and Miami and sec schools. And we're all just sitting and playing second fiddle. Maybe that's the way it goes. We don't, I, think, I think more of my point here is like we just don't know what the future of college football is going to be. We don't know the Big 12's future. It is. I mean, as much as we feel okay, that financial gap between them and the other conferences is going to be significant. It's going to be tough to bridge. Talent gap already with some of these rosters is already significant. Very tough to bridge. The one thing we do know, though, is that the Big 12 has fantastic basketball programs. And they have another chance to add a you know, maybe even one or two, Gonzaga, other fantastic basketball programs to further solidify themselves in a sport that your Mark values that the television networks still value. And it's still, you know, as a big hold at one part of the year, I mean, everybody goes crazy for March madness that, that makes sense there. That tracks for me. The one thing I want to know about what you all think about this is the football aspect. UConn is not good at football. They had a good season last year for their standards. I still would not say UConn is a good football school. Um, And I think there were concerns about, you know, they even stay up at the FBS level um, recently. And their roster is still not very good. You know, does the Big 12 want a school like that in there that still feels like a free win? Like, I know UConn did really well last year, but man, that program is still not in a consistent space where you feel really good about them game in and game out. Do you feel good about the competition level? And do you feel good about that competition level at potentially a reduced uh, reduced price for them, but maybe it could cost the big 12 a little bit. Here's what I mean. The pro rata that ESPN has in place is only for power five schools. UConn is not a power five school. And so with that, UConn would have to take a lesser share. Now it might be more than what they're making now. Sure. But you know, you have to see what that is financially. Maybe they can make it work. I don't know. I don't you know. I don't know. We're not in the rooms having these conversations. And that's kind of the big question with a lot of these schools, like San Diego State. Yeah, they would get a reduced fee. Uh, you know, but is it going to cost the conference anything? And what does Fox think of that as well? Now, Fox already is as a relationship with UConn, so I actually wonder what their kind of take would be on all of this. Uh, you know, their relationship with the Big East, at least. So that's where I am with all the different factors you have to think about. Geography, competitiveness in basketball, uh, future basketball, competitiveness in football, finances for the league, finances for UConn. I think it's interesting. I think because of the championship, it's a, it's a, it's a, no-brainer, to, it's a no-brainer to have the talk, right? It's a no-brainer to have the talk. But should they add them? You know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I guess the one problem I'm having is like, I can't think of anything past the Pac-12 stuff because it just dominated a lot of our conversation, but it's hard to think. If you add Arizona, you're like, you know what? We should pull the trigger on UConn. And then if you don't add them, you're like, well, you know, is is it worth to do it at this point in time? Or maybe you say, hey, it is worth to do it because we didn't get anybody else, right? I think if you add like an Arizona, I think it's like, let's just keep let's just keep padding this amazing conference, right? Well, the more teams you add, you feel like the more security you might have. So maybe you you add them either way, but I think you want to see what you're going to do financially because you know maybe the Pac-12 stuff. If you add those schools, like. What's Fox chip in, in terms of a full price, right? Fox does not agree to a pro rata. You have to see where they are. So UConn makes sense for those reasons, becoming national. Uh, I'd say, let's, let's break it up like this. Pros becoming national, New York city opportunities for basketball. All three of those make sense. Finances maybe goes in the middle. Cause you don't know the PAC 12 stuff yet. And also we don't, we're not privy to those conversations about the finances. So that one goes in the middle and then football guys, I- I'll be honest with you. I'm gonna put that in the negative category. I, I I don't I don't see UConn football as a positive at all. I don't I, maybe it elevates them some, but um, I, I don't know if like TCU going to stores, Connecticut's a good thing at 11 o'clock on ESPN Plus. I don't, you know, maybe they play those games at MetLife Stadium or something like that just to be fun. I, I don't know, but is anybody out there really think adding like UConn football reasons? reasons is, is good so we have to be honest about that i think that is a con i think there's no doubt about that it's a con so where i am right now is i mean there's more pros i think and in in, in, if you're breaking this thing up the big swing is obviously the finances which are in the middle and then football i'll be honest i think it's a negative what do you all think do you all see it that way do you all see it as a pros and cons do you guys see it as all pros let me know in the comments section below all right so let's hit on the quarterback thing we talked about yesterday uh, one thing I forgot to mention, Blake Shapin winning the job once again, fending off a challenge from Sawyer Robinson. Baylor fans I know probably wish they had Kyron Drones, who is now at Virginia Tech, you know, to be there and compete and whatnot. Um, when it comes now to the to the Blake Shapin question, I want to keep hitting on this, uh, too, more about the competition side of it, right? It's good to have guys push them, but I still think we, you know, like Hunter Deckers, I mentioned yesterday, Hunter Deckers, Quinn Ewers, and Blake Shapin. All, in my opinion, deserve starting quarterback opportunities in 2023. All I expect to be better in 2023. Some of them, I think, are going to be like, wow, it's a different guy. Some of them, I think, you might be like, oh, he's on the way. And some of them, you know what, might not actually work out. Blake Shapen, I wasn't fair to him totally. He did get hurt in the Big 12 championship game. I talked about how bad he was in the second half of that game. Did get hurt, but also was a very inconsistent player last year. So maybe him being inconsistent is not much of an anomaly, just who he was as a quarterback at that point. So, I think with all of this and you look at the list of, you know, uh, people ranking the big 12 QBs, but I think fans, I think college football too, especially we have gotten way, way too. um, I think we start thinking about these guys as almost pro players, right? Like pro players, you want to see guys flashing and you want to see guys performing in year number two, year year one, you want to see it too, but year number two, based on position, you know, it depends, but. You want to see guys flashing in year two, right? In college, we forget there is still an opportunity for a lot of these guys to get bigger, faster, stronger, to peak athletically, to get the right strength, conditioning, nutrition. And then at quarterback especially, you, know, you can start adding more onto these guys' plates. Now, they're elite-level guys. You're like, this guy's got it. This guy's got it. There's some guys who come along slower. And I think that is what we're trying to deal with here. So I think about these quarterbacks in the league and you go to a Quinn Ewers, all the talent in the world. Well, we have to see next year what happens. Can he keep getting better? John Rice Plumley, I want to see, does he improve the passing? He's kind of a do it all guy. But does he improve the passing? Blake Shapen, you know, that's a guy that last year, uh, you know, not the most careful guy with the football, was able to spread it around a little bit too. But you're wondering, okay, how, how's that going to look? Keaton Slovis is a guy who, you know, I think it's, up or shut up time for him, obviously, at this point of his career. Hunter Deckers, though, it falls into the role of those younger guys who, uh, last year was his full time year as a starter. Uh, Donovan Smith has kind of had an up and down year, but it's does he now he's at the full time reigns really like start to, to take off and excel, or is he even a guy who's behind the schedule because he was a guy that was not a full time starter, right? So, I'm looking at that. That's why I picked out Ewer's – That's why I picked out um, Shapin and Deckers. Now, Ewers was off and on, right, with the injury and whatnot, but he was technically a full-time starter. So the three guys that are entering year number two as full-time starters are incredibly interesting to me. That is where I'm looking this year with that. And I think Shapin's going to have a good year. I think he's a very capable quarterback. I think also, too, that group of receivers was kind of all over the place last year. They just lost a couple of really good playmakers. I think they were more learning how to play with each other, both Shapen and the receivers. And so building up that rapport, building up the ability to manage games, it does take time. I think we expect far too much out of these kids, too fast sometimes, because they're not all gems. They're not all superstars, and we do have to be more patient. That will do it for today's show. Make sure you find us on Twitter at NWPod365. Find me at Josh Neighbors underscore like the video. Please subscribe as well. Folks, I'll see you all tomorrow.